Good evening once again, Naylor fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Wheeling Naylor's Power Hour presented to you by the 19th Pole. The Naylors are coming off of a busy last week, but a successful one as they picked up five points, including four of them on home ice with a couple of thrilling wins back-to-back -back over the Fort Wayne Comets Friday night in a shootout and then Saturday night in overtime. This week, as we look ahead, we have more Comets on the schedule as it will be a 3-3 three three weekend all on the road in Fort Wayne. You can catch all that action on our sister station, Mix 97.3. And then you have four home games to look forward to next week, Wednesday against the Indy Fuel, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against the Utah Grizzlies. I have a couple of players joining me, as I always do, for this week's show. We have a forward and a defenseman, and they are roommates now together. So that makes things nice and convenient. Forward Matt Alfaro, defenseman Patrick McNally. Guys, thanks so much for taking some time out of your afternoon to chat with uh, me and the fans as well. Of course. Uh, thanks for having us on. Yep. Well, I'll start with you, Patrick, because I always like to start with the hockey side of things, and you're coming off of a real nice weekend. You had the tying goal on Friday night to send the game to overtime, and then you won the game on Saturday night in the overtime, so that was really great for you. How exciting was it to be part of those games and have the impact that you did? Yeah, it was great. Uh, I think my first couple of games, I thought we played well, but we couldn't get uh, couldn't get any wins, so... It was nice to break through and uh, be a part of those victories. What's the overtime like for you? Like, I know you and I talked after you scored the goal on Saturday night. It's obviously very exhausting, but as a defenseman, and I remember when the three-on-three -three first got put in, I thought, wow, offensive defenseman, this is going to be something that could really benefit their game because it allows them to skate so much more, and that seems to be your style. Do you enjoy it, or can it get a little bit tiring and maybe a little bit stressful at times because you're the only D back there? Uh, personally, I love it. I mean, it just, like you said, so much more room and uh, a lot more opportunities offensively, which I enjoy. So I love being out there three on three and uh, knowing that there's a good chance you're going to be able to get a scoring chance. Matt Alfaro also has an overtime goal on his resume this season as he did that on the road against the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Matt, you guys have had so many close games this year, overtimes as you both have been a part of. What's it like to play in games that are so competitive night in, night out, where you're having to use a lot of energy to make sure either games get to the finish line or you can try and get back to the finish line? Yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's tiring, but it definitely keeps keeps it exciting. I think for us and for the fans too. Every game we're we're in it to the very end, and, and I think it will pay off when playoffs come and games are really close. And I feel like we've had a lot of playoff atmosphere uh, each game. What's this season been like for you as a rookie? You had a chance to be here from the start and really kind of get yourself situated now we're a quarter of the way in is it everything you expected or were there some surprises along the way too uh yeah I think it's uh kind of what I expected I think this year is obviously different with um with COVID COVID-19 happening and everything so there's been some adjustments but it's everything I expected the the team teammates have been great and being here from the start's kind of uh I think it's benefited me and um I'm looking forward to the rest of the year I've never gotten a chance, and we're going to dive into this a lot more in the later segments of the show to talk about your guys' backgrounds, but one of the things I'm crushed I've never had the opportunity to really do is watch a Canadian University hockey game, and that's where you came to us from. 
What's the style like there, and is it easy, difficult? What's it like to transition to the pros from that rank? Um, I think it was it was an easier transition coming from university than if I would have came right from major junior. Um, I think having both those backgrounds helps with the amount of games we play and the travel, so I'm used to that from junior. But then, like we said, every game is really close and uh, kind of a pro environment. And at university, we only played two games a weekend and only 30 in the whole year. So every game mattered and every game was very physical and very like low scoring, lots of defense. So I think having both those like both those two backgrounds really benefited me. What about the physical uh, the physicality aspect of the game? Is fighting allowed in uh, Canadian U? Um, it's, it's allowed to let you fight, but you get, uh, you get kicked out of the game and then you get, uh, a one game suspension. Okay. So when you're only playing 20, 30 games a year, um, one game suspension is pretty, pretty heavy, but, uh, the physicality of it is, it's, uh, it's a lot more than junior. It's pretty similar to here because really the age, um, it's 21 to, you can play against some 26, 27 year olds in that league. So, um, there's some, there's some heavy bodies and it's really physical. Gotcha. Patrick, you joined us partway through this season as you started off with the Orlando Solar Bears, got traded here. So luckily you don't have to see any more of the Florida Everblades until a three-game series in March, but you're certainly going to get accustomed to Indy and Fort Wayne who are seeing each other quite a bit now. What did you notice about the layout in the south part of the country with the Floridas, Orlandos, Jacksonvilles, those type of teams, and now coming up and seeing the teams like Indy and Fort Wayne? Are you seeing any difference in styles between the two groups of teams since they're playing each other so much, or are there comparisons you can draw too? Uh, in terms of styles, I think it's pretty similar. Uh, you know, all the teams are pretty good, and like you said, uh, I think that's when you were talking about earlier how close the games are. I think that's pretty much uh, because of how much you play a team. Like when we were playing in Orlando, we were playing Florida so much, you get to know each other. And here they're playing Indy so much, you just get to know each other. And uh, it really leads to close games. What was it like playing Fort Wayne on Friday night with it being their first game of the season so late in? Uh, they definitely came out hard, you could tell, you know, even during warm-ups, they were hooting and hollering and skating around the ice, so they were excited. I mean, we had a long layoff uh, from last year, and we started in November, so I can only imagine uh, they had to wait till February. They were definitely chomping at the bit. What do you think it's going to be like going into their building on Friday night for their home opener? And that's a fan base that's had hockey for 69 years. you think they're going to be pretty much ready to pounce through the glass at you guys and give you a raucous atmosphere? Uh, definitely. I haven't played there, but I've heard uh, it's a fun place to play. So, I mean, in terms of myself being on the road with a good crowd, I always like that. I think it uh, just makes the game more fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's go into how you end up getting here because this is a different year than normal as we all know full well by this juncture where sometimes you get traded and you hop on a plane and you go to your next city and then somehow they figure out how to get all of your personal belongings to you or sometimes you'll end up making the drive up but this year there's all sorts of protocols and whatnot. Was it a simple process? How long did it take you to get here? How did you approach it? Uh, I found out on, I think a couple Mondays in that, ago now that I got traded and uh, pretty much packed up 
everything that Monday afternoon, Monday night, went to the rink Tuesday morning in Orlando, got my gear and drove up to, uh, drove up to Wheeling. It took me about, I think it was about 14 hours. I just drove Tuesday for a while because I wanted, we had a game that Thursday and they wanted me to play. So I had to get here by Wednesday at a certain time to get a COVID test and for that result to come back before I was able to play. So did a lot of driving on Tuesday and then got here uh, Wednesday around noon, did the testing, got my physicals done and played on Thursday. So it's kind of a hectic start to that week, but uh, was able to get it all in. You've been around before, but does it make it any easier at all to go through all that? And then all of a sudden, also, by the way, you have to practice with the team. I don't know if you practice Wednesday, but Thursday for sure. And, hey, by the way, I'm going to be your D partner tonight too. So you have to learn a few players at the same time, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hectic. But uh, like you said, this is a different type of year. And uh, even in Orlando, we were having a lot of turnover. You know, guys coming in, guys going out, guys being sent down, guys getting called up. So, Pretty much, I've been playing with different guys all season, so uh, I'm I'm used to that at this point. Matt, have you had some teammates that you started to click with, uh, whether it be on the ice or off the ice? Who you know, since you guys have been here since day one, and you know, right around Thanksgiving, that you've been able to you know have that connection with as you grow together as rookies. Yeah, I think um, we have a good. I think there's six or seven rookies that have been here right from the start, and a few of us we uh, we sit in the room around each other and. I played with them on lines and we've been on the bench together. And I think being here from the start, we've, uh, we've gotten pretty close and um, with COVID going on, we're, we're in the apartments, we're spending time together. And I think it's helped us come together as a team. He talked about 14 hours to drive here from Orlando. I have a feeling that your trip to Wheeling was just a smidge longer. Did you drive it or did you fly here? No, I, uh, I flew. Okay. I had to take uh, a red eye to Toronto, Calgary to Toronto, Toronto to Chicago, Chicago to Pittsburgh, and then uh, drive from Pittsburgh to Wheel. So was that two connecting flights and eventually to here? Yeah, yeah. Do you ever freak out when you have a situation like that, that they might lose a piece of luggage or you might miss a connector or anything like that? What's it like going through that process? Yeah, it definitely was, uh, it was pretty stressful. I was glad when I got to Pittsburgh, all my bags were all my bags were there, especially my hockey bag. And, um, yeah, missing a connecting flight. We, uh, we cut it pretty close in Chicago. There was uh, a delay leaving Toronto to get to Chicago, and we only had about 25 minutes to catch our flight from Chicago to Pittsburgh. And there was a few other uh, teammates with me on the plane, which helped, and we got across the airport pretty quick. So as somebody who was looking over different options during this offseason, what made the Wheeling Nailers such an attractive decision for you to want to come here? I just had um, – I knew Mark French before we uh, – he coached the Calgary Hitmen. So I, uh, I have some friends who were coached by him, and they said all good things about him. And then my, uh, my agent got in touch with him. And uh, really just the, the opportunity to come here and – while do classes online, um, it really made it easy, and I thought it'd be a great place to play. What did you know about Wheeling, West Virginia, before you arrived on the scene? Uh, I didn't know much. I knew it was uh, it was a smaller smaller town, and uh, I played in similar places in junior. And I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd fit in well. And and people uh, kind of complain about the weather, but it's uh, 
it's nothing like Calgary, really. I'm, I'm enjoying the weather here. Yeah, we've got all the ice and everything going on this week. What's it like back home? Are they getting crushed as well, or are they getting a little breather? Yeah, it's been uh, it's, they've been um, I think minus thirty Celsius with the wind chill wow. in uh, southern Alberta, so it's a lot it's a lot colder there. Yikes! I can't imagine that that uh, that's going to be pretty brutal. But I bet you a lot of fun too, because you probably grew up playing on the ponds, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, the outdoor rinks. Um, I think they're starting to open up again with the restrictions, so I'm sure uh, kids are out there all day. Do they have restrictions on outdoor too, in addition to indoor? Yeah, and in Alberta they did. There was only a, a certain amount of people that could be on the rink at at times, and people were getting fined for uh, for having too many people on the ice. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't realize that. What was it like for the summer then for you? Were you able to get a fair amount of ice time, or was it few and far between? Make the most of what you got. Um, I was pretty lucky, actually. I was skating with University of Calgary, so we had our ice, and our rink was basically closed um, to the public, to everyone else, but we were still allowed to go into our dressing room, stay in our room, and go on the ice with um, with our team. So compared to everyone else in Calgary, I was, I was pretty lucky to have lots of ice. Well, that's a fortunate situation. What about for you, Patrick? You're from New York. Were you back there during the summer? Or were you somewhere else? What kind of ice did you get this year? Uh, yeah, I was back home on Long Island this summer, but uh, I was able to skate with a group of Long Island guys that uh, we had ice at uh, Syosset, which is the rink that uh, let us, as long as we came in, took our temperatures and everything, and uh, adhered to the protocols we were allowed to skate. How far away? I'm not totally familiar with the Long Island geography, but how far away are you from the where the Islanders play? It's not Nassau Coliseum anymore. I know they changed the name of it. And where are they building the new place? I grew up like 15, 20 minutes from the old Coliseum. But okay. uh, I haven't been to the new place yet, so I'm not sure uh, how far I am from there. Gotcha. I know that when they had the whole moving to Barclays situation, not exactly a, a building built for hockey and uh, there was still some charm to the old place is that what you feel as well the old place was uh that's kind of the heart and soul of what new york islanders hockey was all about oh yeah i grew up a big islanders fan so uh i love the old coliseum and uh definitely got rowdy in there during big games that's awesome alfaro wasn't the nicest building in the world though hey you know what it's uh, there's something to be said about character and I, I think that just makes the atmosphere so much better you know when you have buildings like that and i'm sure for you matt uh with the sal dome in calgary were you flames fan growing up too yep yeah, yeah i was a flames fan went to flames games at the saddle dome growing up and even going to the calgary hitman games at the saddle dome uh so yeah it's it's uh it's an older arena kind of like the coliseum it's got some character to it. Um, I know they're they're planning on building a new one, but it'll be sad to see it go. Man, all these places, they, they don't figure it out. That's the one thing, like, you look at around and, and Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. They got it right because they were able to make changes and not have to put a new one up. So I like the fact that they were able to keep some of the good, the good old places in charm there. So that's segment number one of the Wheeling Nailers Power Hour. We've got Matt Alfaro and Patrick McNally with us this week. Stick around for more presented by the 19th Hole as we get ready for a 3-3 three and three weekend against the Fort Wayne Comets. But make sure you get your tickets for next week's games. We have four of them all at home against Indy and Utah. You can get those at wheelingnailers.com. Back after this on the Nailers Broadcast Network presented by Main Street Bank. 
Segment number two of the Wheeling Nailers Power Hour presented to you by the 19th hole as we have Wheeling Nailers hockey coming up for you this weekend. Friday, 8 o'clock, Saturday, 7.30, Sunday, 5 o'clock, all on the road as the Nailers take on the Fort Wayne Comets. Next week, Indies here on Wednesday for a 7-10 game. Utah, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 7-10 for the Friday and Saturday games and 4-10 for for the Sunday Clash, we have Matt Alfaro and Patrick McNally with me. Guys, we let into the last break a little bit talking about where you guys are from and your NHL interest there with uh, Matt being in the Flames realm of things and Patrick being in Islanders territory. So were those the two teams that really both got you guys into hockey at a young age or was there something else? I'm sure Matt being in Canada, you were born with the hockey stick, but Patrick, there's plenty to do in New York. So what caught, uh, what made hockey the number one choice for you? Uh, my mom actually just thought it should be a life skill of mine to be able to skate like swimming. So like when we were really young, she took me to the YMCA to learn how to swim. And then she also took me to the local rink to learn how to skate. And there was just one of the travel teams practicing after, and I would just watch them uh, after I was skating and said I wanted to try it. So uh, that's how it started. So you started to skate and swim at the same time. That's pretty wild. Well, was- I don't know if it was the same time, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just one of the, she already said, she's like, oh, I thought you should be able to do those two things. So that was just how I started skating. Was she a hockey fan to begin with, or was that something that you ultimately took to the next level for her? Uh, she was definitely not a hockey fan. Uh, but she's, <laughs> she's become one over the years, but uh, once I started playing, uh, my parents started to become uh, bigger fans. Very good. Matt, what about you? Were you indeed born with a hockey stick? Uh, yeah, pretty much from, I think, when I was like three or four, started skating learned how to skate in in Calgary and then started playing hockey right after and and never stopped. And then you took the natural progression, I guess, for Canadians, which is you went the major junior route and you played in the Western Hockey League. And I mean, was that something that you pretty well had your mind made up right away? Um, Yeah, like growing up, um, going to Calgary Hitman Games was something I kind of strived for. And then once I got to that age where um, I kind of had a choice and I wasn't full in on uh, going to the Western Hockey League. I kind of weighed my decisions if I should try to go NCAA. But at that time, when I was when I was 16 years old, I, uh, I decided that um, the Western Hockey League was probably the best route um, for my career. Tell me about Kootenai, because that's a team that doesn't exist anymore. Now They're now in Winnipeg. Um, it's in BC, right? What, uh, what about Kootenai, the town, the team? Yeah, it's in. Uh, we were in Cranbrook, British Columbia, so it was um, it was one of the smaller markets in the league. I think there was only twenty five, thirty thousand in people in the town, um, but I loved it there. It was a small town feel. Um, the fans were great, um, and I just liked everyone was so close to each other on the team. We all lived within five minutes from each other. The rink was five minutes, so I really uh, I really enjoyed my time there. What was it like getting traded at the very end of your junior career where you had spent all that time in Kootenai and then all of a sudden you get traded to Lethbridge? Yeah, it was something um, I kind of expected and almost wanted. We were, we were a struggling team my last, my last year and a half there. And the year before, I was even wondering if I was going to get traded at the deadline. But my general manager talked to me and said, we'll get you, we'll get you somewhere else next year for, uh, for one more playoff run. And, Getting traded is, is 
really weird to go to a different team after being there for three and a half years. But I went with um, a teammate of mine. We got traded together, so that helped. And I still have friends that I played with in Lethbridge that I talk to all the time and even keep in touch with the, the general manager there. So I really enjoyed uh, Lethbridge as well. What's it like being at that age? And, like, you didn't get traded until your last year, but there are guys who could get moved as early as 16 years old, which is super young in your life if you really think about it. Is that a lot of stress that it gets put on your age at that young of an age? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're moving away at 16, 17. You're, you're living away from your family. And then, and then to also get traded on top of that, I'm, I'm sure it's a whirlwind. Uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to stay, stay in the same place with the same billets for three and a half years, which, which really helped. And uh, I have some uh, strong connections to Cranbrook now. And you mentioned in the last segment that you ultimately think it's the best thing for you that rather than turning pro after you finished your junior career, that you went the major university route. And that's something that has really, I felt like, evolved over the last few years, especially where guys are tending to go that route, which ultimately helps them get to the pro game. What was so attractive for you as you look back on it to say, yeah, you know what, that was a great decision by me? I think just um, so when we play in the Western Hockey League, we get we get scholarship money, and uh, to access that, you need to go to you need to go to school right away. I know there's some guys that come play in the in the East Coast for for half a year, and then they come back. Um, and I just thought getting my schooling done first, using the money that that the WHL was offering me, and then still having that opportunity to go pro after. I think was was big and I think a lot of people underestimate the quality of hockey that is Canadian University it's all it's all former major junior guys we have guys that have signed entry levels out of that league or AHL deals or even guys go to the AHL first and then come back to university so I think it kind of goes under the radar with how much hockey there is in Canada and so it's uh, it's a very good league the University of Calgary Dinos. First of all, that's a sick team name. I absolutely love it. Second of all, what part of Calgary? Are you right smack dab in downtown or are you in the outskirts? Uh, it's just like 10, uh, probably 10 minutes outside of downtown. And then I lived, uh, like I grew up probably 5, 10 minutes uh, further from that. So I'm really close to the university and both my uh, my older sisters went to University of Calgary. So it was something. It was an easy choice for me to go there. What's the off ice life uh, life like there? Uh, it's a little different than uh, I think university in the states. None of us lived um, on campus. A lot of guys have they live in houses together just off of campus because we go we kind of hang out there and then we'll go downtown for nightlife. It's it's a little different than university here. Gotcha. What did you study there? Uh, I'm still in. Uh, business and uh, concentration in finance. Finance. Is that something you want to do later in life or why'd you pick that direction? Yeah, it's definitely something uh, I'm planning to use when I'm, when I'm done my hockey career and uh, hopefully can uh, get a job afterwards. There you go. Uh, the guy that you're joined by today is very smart. He went to the fine institution known as Harvard, who he is not the first guy that I've had who went to Harvard. I believe you would have been teammates with Danny Fick. Yes. Yes, he was a great above me. Ah, so how much do you and Ficker get along? Me and Ficker get along very well. He was uh, 
one of the guys I would say that I was definitely closest with at school. I still keep in touch with him today. Nice. He was part of our run to the Kelly Cup Finals in 2015-16 as a rookie here, so we were happy yes. to have him uh, part of that. He still, remind, he still reminds everybody of that a lot. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad he does. Everybody on that team has very special memories, as I'm sure you'll hear from Derek Army and Evan Wardley, and hopefully you guys can add your own kind of chapter and legacy here in Wheeling this season, so that's terrific. So let's take you through how you got into you know the sport and then you ultimately figured out that you could potentially take this a step further and it took you the college path uh yeah i uh unlike uh matt i i didn't really even know what the chl was growing up so uh growing up in new york i think it's mostly everyone just trying to play college hockey and i went to college hockey games all the time growing up whenever we're at tournaments and stuff so that was always the dream for me what stuck out about Harvard? What lined up for you to be able to go there? I was going to prep school uh, at Milton Academy, which is right outside Boston. So uh, I really like Boston. And probably the biggest thing about Harvard was the coach, Teddy Donato, who uh, I really got along well with right from the start when he started recruiting me. And uh, that was the main reason I, I picked uh, that school. Do you ever get tired of people immediately saying the word Harvard and going, oh, man, you must be extremely smart, or does that just come with the territory? Uh, I think it's funny because, uh, you know, as someone who went there and uh, knows a lot of the guys and the hockey guys, you know, obviously everyone, you know, works hard in school, but uh, it's not the biggest group of geniuses in the world. <laughs> Uh, and you did go to prep school on your way there, so it wasn't like you were just, you know, gliding along and because you could play hockey, you went there. You obviously had some strong knowledge as well. What did you study there? I was a government major. Whoa, government, huh? What uh, what got you into that? Uh, I was pretty much, it's a liberal arts school, so you have to take a certain amount of classes in every field, but... Uh, I was never really a math guy, so I figured I'd steer clear of economics and uh, statistics and stuff and do gov because uh, I was always interested in uh, history and the government and everything, and I, I was always better at writing papers and doing P-sets. Is this something that you're going to parlay into post-hockey? Are you going to try and make a run at anything, or was that something that you did to get the degree and then you'll maybe take a, a left turn when you finish this? Yeah, I don't think I'll be running for office or anything anytime soon, so uh, maybe more of a left there. There you go. You mentioned that you like Boston so much, and yet you're from New York. That usually doesn't happen. So, um, first of all, thank you for liking Boston as a New England guy myself, but um, how did that all come about? Well, like I said, I went to prep school up there for two years, my junior, senior high school, and then... Going to Harvard, I used to stay on campus during the summer, uh, take classes and train, work out and skate at school. So I spent a lot of time there. And then even after school, I, excluding this summer because of uh, COVID, but uh, usually I get an apartment up there in the summer and uh, train in Foxborough and uh, skate at Harvard. So spent a lot of, most of my adult life in Boston. So really have grown to love it. We talked about your hockey allegiances to the Islanders at the beginning. We're doing this via Zoom, so I can see you have a San Diego Padres hat on, which is not a Yankees or a Mets hat on. So are you a New York baseball fan? Are you a Boston baseball fan? Or do we go somewhere off the charts? 
I'm a big Yankees fan. My, uh, <laughs> my grandfather was born and raised in the Bronx, so uh, we had a lot of ties to uh, Yankee Stadium. And uh, obviously growing up in New York at the time that I did, uh, felt, pretty much felt like they were winning the championship every single year when I was really young. So it was easy to be a Yankees fan growing up. Did you get to experience the rivalry in both ballparks? Uh, I have been to a Yankees Red Sox game at Fenway, but I, I have not at Yankee Stadium. Really? Okay. What's it like being in there as an opposing fan? Because I've been there as a home fan, and we aren't very nice to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've never had any problems. I usually wear my Yankee shirt to the game, and uh, maybe a couple jerks here and there, but nothing serious. Gotcha. Are they? Is that uh, pretty much the two that you follow the most? Do you do football at all? Basketball? What's uh, What's that like? I'm a I'm a fan of all sports. I mean, I love football. I watch all the games on Sunday when I when I don't have a hockey game. So uh, yeah, I, I like watching everything. Jets, Giants, or other? Uh, probably Giants. I would lean Giants because they win or because of geography. Well, they play at the same stadium, I guess. Because it doesn't matter. My, uh, my dad was a Giants fan. He was he played football, so uh, that's that's what I grew up with. Gotcha, Matt. Let's talk about uh, your favorite teams a little bit. Uh, Calgary guy, grew up Flames fan, right? Yeah, yeah, I was a Flames fan growing up for sure. Favorite players? Um, <clears throat> right when I was when I was growing up at my age, it was it was always about Aginla. That was kind of his prime with uh, the Stanley Cup run and then a couple 50-goal seasons around that time. So uh, I think uh, mostly an Aginla fan. What about other sports? What did you like watching as a fan? What did you like to get involved in playing every once in a while? Uh, I've been – growing up, I played played football as well. Football in Canada is – it's pretty good leagues down over there, and I was a big um, Canadian Football League fan. My uh, my grandpa's had season tickets to the the Calgary Stampeders since before I was born, so he always takes me to to games there in the summer. With uh, with me moving away the last um, few years, I haven't been able to go to as many in the fall. But anytime I'm home in the summer, we'll we'll go together. And uh, so yeah, so for CFL it'd be Stampeders, and then NFL. Um, I'm a Broncos fan mainly because uh, I was a big Peyton Manning fan growing up. And right when he went to the Broncos, I, uh, I, I brought my allegiance to them. Never got onto the Colts bandwagon? You just joined them when he was a Bronco at that point then? Yeah, I was a Colts fan, but I was, I was pretty young, pretty young at that time. And then, and then when he came, I kind of I hopped on the bandwagon with them. Gotcha. So hockey and football, two the, main, the two main ones for you. What about a position? What did you play in football? I was, uh, I was a quarterback. Ah, yeah, good at uh, throwing the deep ball, or were you a runner? What do you? Uh, what was your style? No, I was more of a pocket passer. Okay, that's why. Uh, that's why Peyton Manning was such. I uh, was such a big fan of his. Gotcha, Patrick. What'd you play besides hockey? Uh, I was a big lacrosse player growing up. Uh, nice lacrosse on Long Island. So that was a big. I played up until high school. That's awesome. I feel like we haven't had a lot of lacrosse, and I'm glad that that's starting to jump in. I feel like everybody's like, well, baseball, football, maybe a soccer here and there, but lacrosse, there's some good similarities between lacrosse and hockey too, right? Uh, definitely. You know, hands and stuff, I think that's probably the biggest thing. You get whacked on the arm quite a bit more in lacrosse too. Yeah, that's 
that part is annoying, but uh, <laughs> you don't get hit as much, so it's, it's a good trade-off. Indoor or outdoor? Or both? Outdoor. We we never – that was a Canadian thing. We used yeah, to play the Canadian played. teams, and they would all talk about indoor, but I, I never played indoor. We'd always play balls. Yeah. Outdoor or bust? And what position? I was an attackman. That's funny. You play D in hockey, but you attack in lacrosse. Did you do that intentionally? No, I actually started out playing D in lacrosse, and then when I was in, like, sixth grade, one of my coaches switched me, and uh, I just ended up playing attack. Gotcha. Very cool. That's a neat trip down into the backgrounds on Matt Alfaro and Patrick McNally as we continue. Segment number two of our Wheeling Nailers Power Hour presented by the 19th Hole as the guys get ready for another week of three games in three days, all on the road against the Fort Wayne Comets. Coming up in our final segment, we'll dive into some of their off-ice hobbies. This is the Nailers Broadcast Network presented by Main Street Bank. Final segment of our Wheeling Nailers Power Hour presented by the 19th Hole. Nailers are on the road coming up this weekend, but you can get tickets for the four games next week by visiting wheelingnailers.com right on the homepage. And, of course, flex packs are available as well. For more information on those, give our office a call at 304-234-GOAL. That's 304-234-4625. We're hanging out with Matt Alfaro and Patrick McNally, and we got a look into their college lifestyle as well as some of their other fandoms for sports. So now let's learn about some of their hobbies away from sports. So guys, you had a very long summer this year. You talked about how sometimes you were or were not able to get as much ice time, but what else kept you busy? Were you learning any new hobbies or were you binge watching anything? What was the summer like? Uh, I think it was tough at first, you know, getting back to New York in mid-March we were pretty much fully locked down for uh, a couple months there. But uh, it was nice. My parents actually just moved. They sold our childhood house and moved out east uh, on Long Island and bought kind of an old place with a lot of fixing up to do. So I helped my dad around the house and in the yard. So uh, that uh, helped occupy my time for a couple weeks. So that was good. So how's your handyman skills? Uh, I'm working on it. You know, uh, he's he's very good at it, so uh, he kind of leads the way. But uh, I just do the grunt work. You were playing in Europe last year. How long did it take you to get back here? Was it a pretty smooth process once everything started to wrap up and get shut down? I definitely wouldn't say it was a smooth process. But uh, it kept, we were on our way to a game on, on a Wednesday, and everything got – shut down the league got canceled and i was flew out friday morning but uh it was a hectic 36 hours there wow how was it booking your flight and making sure and i'm sure packing up as well because you probably brought a lot of things across the pond yeah there was just so much uncertainty uh at that time and uh the team really didn't want to pay us uh, our money at the end of the year since the season was canceling early and uh we weren't sure if Slovakia's borders were going to close. And that night was the uh, night that uh, Trump actually gave the speech where he said uh, no one was allowed in the country. And he uh, forgot to mention that that excluded U.S. citizens. So everyone was panic for, uh, panicking for a bit. And uh, But I was lucky enough to be able to – I just booked my own flight and, uh, you know, said I think this will be worth the uh, money and just got out of there on my own. 
Wow, that must have been quite the whirlwind, like you said, 36 hours, but glad that you were able to make it safely, so that's uh, that's quite important. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, good. Matt, what was your summer like? What did you do for fun? Did you learn anything new? Did you watch anything you liked? Uh, it was a lot of, uh, like Pat said, doing stuff around the house. I had a few projects uh, my mom wanted me to do outside, so did some fixer-upping things around the house, and then um, a lot of golf probably the most golf I've played in the summer um probably my whole life so that was basically all that was open in Calgary so my buddies and I we really really got back into into golf got some new clubs and uh really enjoyed it how's your golf game uh it's not it's not bad I was expecting it to be a lot better at the end of the summer but uh a few things I can work on What's the course designs like up there? Is there any sort of a theme? Uh, like, you know, you'll see the European courses where there's a lot more of the tall grass, a lot more of the courses in the States are, have, like, the water or the trees. Is there a certain staple to some of the Canadian courses? No, I think we get uh, we have a wide range. Like, really, in Calgary, there's, there's quite a – like, probably smaller courses that are uh, – a little more hilly and then if you go kind of on the outskirts to the to the east side of calgary there's a uh, probably more like euro style with more open less big trees and then i've even golfed a couple times in banff like you know uh in the mountains and that's a cool that's a really cool experience to go out there and uh yeah so i'd probably say we have a wide wide range of courses is that your normal summer activity or are there other things that you like to do with your downtime in a normal year of summertime uh yeah that's probably that's probably kind of a normal year i think it was just it was um it was more this summer i think a normal year would be more going out to uh, i have a couple friends that have cabins on on some lakes in bc um but during this summer we weren't really allowed to to go to british columbia and go to the lakes out there gotcha what about for you patrick what do your summers normally consist of yeah i'm not really a golfer uh I don't know. I never really got into it, but uh, growing up on Long Island, we were more of a beach family, so uh, I really uh, enjoy going to the beach. Is it more, are you a going-in-the-ocean guy? Are you uh, getting a tan on the sand? Are you one of those people that likes to go around and putts around and shop, or what What attracts you to the beach? I'm a big going-in-the-ocean guy, so uh, that's probably uh, the biggest attraction for me. But the water's so cold, man. Nah, nah. When it's hot outside, it feels great. <laughs> That's one of the things, like being in Maine, the ocean was never appealing to me just because it was so gosh darn cold in there where I uh, felt like I was. Yeah, it's cold up there. I have uh, some friends in Maine, and uh, that's a different animal. But uh, down on Long Island, it's nice. It's not a bad area. What do you like about Long Island? Like, what are some of the cool activities for people that would want to get a chance to go there someday? I mean, it, beautiful beaches on Long Island uh, and so close to the city. Uh, you could always pop in there for the day, which uh, obviously there's a ton of stuff to do in there. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to do there. You got a chance to do Europe for a few years, too. What was that like for you? What did you like the best? Uh, probably the best. I lived in Budapest last year, which Hungry. was – an amazing city and uh that was uh, definitely a great experience but i like i liked everywhere i was in europe you know i got to do a year in germany which i loved and uh sweden was great too so no complaints about europe what made budapest the best it was just very lively uh 
big tourist city and uh, there was always something to do and uh, a lot of great restaurants and stuff. But uh, the, the town I was in in Germany was just a little bit sleepier. It was a smaller town. Uh, Austin Fighton actually played there last year. So uh, okay. he knows about it too. I'm sure if I was in uh, Berlin or uh, Munich, I would have enjoyed it a little more. But uh, the, it was a smaller town that I was in in Germany. It's good that you guys kind of all know each other in different ways from different spots. What? Uh, tell me about Hungarian food then, because that's a different spin on life. Yeah, a lot of goulash, which uh, I enjoy. But uh, yeah, uh, it was it was good. Uh, and uh, the food in Germany, actually, I love schnitzel, so that that was uh, easy to easy to like. There you go. What's something that your parents cooked or you had back home that you absolutely love or you absolutely miss? Uh, probably my mom's signature di- dish, which I miss the most when I'm away, is her meatloaf. She makes uh, a mean meatloaf that uh, I really enjoy. That you can't really get a uh, meatloaf at a restaurant or anything. No, you're absolutely right about that. What about you, Matt? What's uh, something about Calgary or something about home? Whether it's the lifestyle or something that mom or you're able to get uh, around for food. Uh, I think just my mom's cooking in general. I think some of the stuff uh, I've been trying to emulate some of the meals she she cooks back home, but I haven't really been able to do it exactly. And I'm almost impressed now of how much uh, how much she's able to cook. Do you have a particular favorite that jumps out? Uh, I think she she makes this pork tenderloin. That's uh, she makes it on the grill at home, and it's uh, it's really good. And uh, I'm itching to get back home to to get some of it. So what's the missing thing? Is it an ingredient or two that you just can't get right? Is it a texture thing? What's what's missing? I think it's I think it's both. And, and here also we don't have, we don't have a barbecue, so we don't have a grill. Oh uh, yep. And back home, that's something like when we're making meals, I'll uh, I'll take over the grill. That's something uh, we just don't have here. Gotcha. You guys are rooming together, so let's talk a little bit about that. What is the number one spare time activity? Uh, we do cook a lot. We've, uh, we've been cooking a lot and our dishwasher doesn't work. So we spend a lot of time doing the dishes. So, but, uh, usually we just got the TV on, you know, maybe a hockey or a basketball game at night and, uh, just kind of have it on and watch it, uh, while we eat. Who's the main cooker? Is it, uh, do you guys take turns and, uh, does the non-cooker do the dishes? No, I think we pretty much, uh, we do equal amounts, but we just do it for each other. Okay. Yeah, I don't really cook uh, as a team. We're not a married couple yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to dish? I I keep it simple. I uh, I go chick chicken and uh, chicken, you know, rice, maybe a couple veggies, broccoli, asparagus. You know, I don't I don't or steak. Nothing nothing crazy. Pasta. Basics. Okay. What about for yeah. you, Matt? Yeah, pretty similar. Like uh, I like steaks and I like the. Uh, Make some steak fajitas or something like that, but nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Not bad. So you mentioned TV. You're watching hockey and basketball. What about if it's not a sports night? What can we find you watching or doing? Well, we actually had a few good men on before uh, the interview, which we have on mute right now. But uh, you know, just a, a, maybe a movie, uh, a classic like that we enjoy. Okay. Are you guys video gamers, or do you stay away from the video game clan? I'm a, I'm a, I got my Xbox here in my room and uh, play Call of Duty with my friends. But uh, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a gamer. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little too old, but uh, 
I missed the uh, gaming sensation. I grew up playing Madden and stuff, but kind of left it behind once I got to college. Which system? Uh, I started out, I'm so old, I had an N64. Like, yes! Mario. Yes. <laughs> but uh, growing up, I had a PS2. You want, to make, you want me to make you feel young? <laughs> yeah. I started with Super Nintendo. Okay, I never saw that. I don't even know what that one looks like. <laughs> There were purple buttons uh, for your A, your B, and there was X and Y. It was pre-joystick era. Okay, okay. So now you feel better. Now you, now you feel like you were going to be old with the N64, but now I made you feel better because I was on, on Super Nintendo. That was the, the best. What was your first system, Matt? Uh, I think it was PlayStation 2 for a bit and then got PlayStation 3 right away. And then uh, also uh, the Wii. The Wii was a big, uh, big thing in my family with my sisters. I think we got it one year for Christmas when I was a kid, and that was uh, that was back in its heyday. I'm a PS2 guy as well. I had that. I still do have that. Actually, it's at the house. So that's uh, funny. You guys both going down my uh, down my lane on on the video games. Okay. So if Patrick's not doing video games, you said most of it's probably television. Do you read it all? Where do you where do you go with that? Yeah, I do read. Uh... You know, try to uh, get away from the TV and the phone every once in a while and uh, read some books. So, yeah, I try to. Is there anything that jumps out at you? Any particular favorites or genres you try and go for? Uh, I've been trying to read more, uh, like, uh, get away from, like, fantasy novels or, like, stuff that really didn't happen so I could actually uh, learn about some things. So I've been going down that road recently. That's pretty good. Uh, we yeah. talked about the cooking part of the lifestyle. Are you guys pretty well on the same sleep schedules? Do you guys, uh, you know, cleanliness? Are there any good battles within the household? This is one of the first times I've actually had roommates on together so that they can't sewer each other. <laughs> no, I think we're pretty we're pretty laid back, and uh, we both kind of do our own dishes and uh, keep the house relatively clean, so no fights so far. Matt, you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And we've been uh, we've been picking up each other's slack too sometimes. So there's been no uh, if there's dishes in the in the sink, we're not fighting over who's got to do it. We just uh, kind of do it together. There you go. Sounds like it's it's going smoothly here, and uh, obviously the on ice product is coming along with the team as well of having a couple of big wins this weekend. So we'll hope to see all of that continue as you guys are back on the ice for. Three and three this weekend, and uh, four and five next week. You guys are definitely not going to have uh, a lot of downtime, but I hope with that that you can continue to build off the success that you've had and continue to give these fans here in Wheeling a lot that they can cheer about for sure. Yeah, definitely. So that's going to wrap things up for our Wheeling Nailers Power Hour for this week. So Matt and Patrick, I really want to thank both of you so much for taking so much time out of your day and to let us learn about the personal sides of you, not only what you can do on the ice, which is a lot of good stuff, but also where you've grown up and uh, what you like to do in your spare time. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Thank you. You guys did an excellent job today, so thanks to everybody for tuning in this week to the Wheeling Nailers Power Hour, which has been presented by our friends at the 19th Hole and, of course, on Fox Sports Wheeling. 
We will have Nailers hockey action for you this weekend, Friday at 8 o'clock, Saturday at 7.30, and Sunday at 5, all on Mix 97.3 against the Fort Wayne Comets. Get your tickets for next week's game. What are you waiting for? 304-234-GOAL or wheelingnailers.com. And this is the Nailers Broadcast Network presented by Main Street Bank.